0: You're listening to The 123 Show with me, Noreen Mair, on this Thursday afternoon. I'm really excited to welcome back on the program, Sadia Usmani. Sadia, it's great to see you today. How are you doing?
1: I'm all right. Thank you. It's early morning here. We're talking seven o'clock in the morning. (laughs) So good morning and good afternoon to you, Noreen.
0: Yes, good morning and good afternoon uh, to our listeners. Um, We are live this afternoon on Facebook. So uh, do join us there this afternoon if you can. We are on Facebook Live, Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3. And we're chatting with our lovely Sadia Osmani live in London. You've yeah, got a, and I have been since January. <laughs> exactly. Soon, hopefully, uh, coming back. I understand the measures. Uh, uh, if you're flying from back from the UK starting from the 9th of August, uh, you'll just need to do 21 days in Hong Kong rather than the, yeah. the sort of washout countries. Um, I see some people going via Greece or going via yeah, Turkey uh, those before. Places. But soon, we will just be. Contemplating Hong Kong.
1: that as well. I was kind of looking into places and stuff, and I was hoping that we wouldn't have to do that. So yeah, so so from next Monday, um, the ban is lifted, and so now it's really like if you are traveling from the UK, you still have to do your 21 days quarantine. I mean, it, it's it is it is good news. I mean, without a doubt, I'm very happy that God, the ban has been lifted. I'm kind of now in a position where I'm dreading thinking of. My- I got 21 days and I just have to find, we just have to find someone somewhere where we can stay, where it's going to be reasonably sort of comfortable. Because, you know, it's a long time, 21 days to be in a room. And, and so you have to think of all sorts of things, just a little bit of space. You have to think of food. You have to think of facilities. And, and so, you have know, you there's thought lots of really it's good Maybe to websites.
0: quarantine by yourself. Are you sure you want to quarantine with Mr. Sadia? Maybe it's just quite nice <laughs> to have sort of... Can you have joining rooms and then just, you know, not really be with each other? <laughs>
1: That's an idea I do. You could have a joining rooms. I am... Um, I must admit, I'm probably one of the uh, couples who are quite happy to be with my husband. (laughs) I'm sure there are quite a few people who would probably think, do you know what, you quarantine by yourself and I'll quarantine
0: because that's a real test of a marriage. Yeah, our floor is full. you have got to have to quarantine downstairs. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. it is a real test of a marriage, I'm sure, that if you have to be stuck in a room, in one room with no place to move. 21
0: days
1: oh right so so if i'm still happily married and still absolutely okay by that by the end of that stage then wonderful you know that's a tested time there so so that's the kind of predicament i'm in at the moment and actually one of the reasons that i chose the subject that i'm looking at today was actually based on this was because um you know that i was going to look at the whole issue of vaccines and why people you know opt in and opt out of vaccines um and that isn't just the case certainly in Hong Kong that has been the case where there has been less interest in it and I think back in May it was almost one of the lowest places in terms of only about 39 percent of the population was actually going forward to be vaccined. I think I'm just looking at the statistics from that from the 4th of august i think it was the first dose 49.5 percent of the population where the second dose 37.6 percent um and that was on the 4th of august so so it's it's getting it's creeping up but certainly not as fast as you'd want it to i mean if you compare it to say the uk for instance at the moment 46.8 Million people in the UK have received at least one dose of the of the virus, and so that means like 90% in England and Scotland and Wales have had the first dose, and 70 to 8% have had the second dose, which is quite high. And it's now reaching a stage where you know majority of people have been vaccinated. And just yesterday, they introduced the fact that you know 16 and 17 year olds, so young people.
0: Can get it and that seems to That's be the right. group here because in, in Hong Kong UK. if you're 12 and above you can get it now in Hong Kong which is great yeah you know
1: which is great that you know that it's available and and people can go and get it and it's only just started here between 16 and 17 year olds but there seems to be um, a particular sort of that particular age group the young age group who are not sort of coming forward and, and I was listening to the news yesterday too and you know, they were introducing incentives here in the UK to get young people, and they were saying things like, you know, you're, they're starting stuff with Deliveroo and stuff, where they're saying, look, you can get free pizza slices <laughs> and things like that, or you can get a taxi, you can take a taxi free, you can get reduction in taxis. So they're trying to introduce incentives to get more young people. And I saw a couple of interviews with with some young people, and and they were saying, well, you know, it's hard to fit in the time to go and do it and have the vaccine. So I suppose, you know, just looking at the general subject of whether you opt in or not opt out, I suppose we all sort of, you know, after reading a few articles and stuff, I realized that actually, yeah, you know, you need to think about this in a bit more detail to, as a reasoning behind somebody refusing. Um, but, you know, social media obviously has a huge role to play in this, whether it be positive or negative. Um, you know, so many sort of, you you know, you know if we go through our Facebook page or WhatsApp groups, things like that, it only takes one person to say, oh, no, this is rubbish or, or this is like this or this is a statistic I have to start off the kind of rumour mill about whether or not you should have it or whether you should have it. So lots of scaremongering that goes on, and I think quite a few people have, have taken that and listened to it. There are a set set group of people, I think, no matter what, there will be conspiracy theories about all sorts of things. So that is certainly one of the, the reasons that people do, people think twice about it. But I think also quite a few people, you know, with the pandemic, um, it is, it has just taken over completely. And, and from the word go, there has been a huge kind of pressure uh, around us to get this vaccine developed. To, to get it moving to get us safe and so I'm sure you know people I was going to look at some of the reasons in, in a few moments but I, may, I mean that may be certainly an influencing factor in terms of the speed of you know just how the pandemic has just taken us over completely in our lives in every bit of our lives and our sudden urgency to to get a solution to get, to make things better and and obviously people sort of panic you know once they they find out okay The vaccine is there should we take it should we not um so you know i I, sometimes i think that maybe we need to think about it but just think travel situation for me i feel it now because i think that because in a way hong kong may be more vulnerable now because of the fact that less people are vaccinated so therefore if people are coming from abroad or whatever that because they aren't vaccinated it's it's not safe, you know,
0: and they and they get worried about catching anything or whatever. But what's obviously, the, you know, twenty. What, what's the uptake mm-hmm. for for the elderly been like? Did the, the uptake of vaccination and oh. uh, the of the elderly in the UK been like, Zadia?
1: it's high it's been it's almost like now i think one of the priority groups in the uk when they first started was the elderly and people in care homes and things and so they were the priority at that time and i would say i can't i haven't got the start i was just looking at some stats actually but i haven't got that stat in front of me but i know for sure that that was their priority initially to get the elderly done a majority and i would say you know 80 to 90 percent of them have gone through that and they've been gradually working through the age groups in the UK so it's only now that they've got to the sort of bottom tier where they thought it's the younger people but i know that care homes and you know elderly the elderly and people in homes and in care etc were the priority and they made sure that those people were vaccinated plus people their carers and things like that
0: yeah the uptake so, in hong kong has been rather slow as you know especially in the elderly group that's why they opened the vaccination um, uh, scheme to, to those under 30 and the now under 12, just to boost the the, the uptake. And uh, one of uh, one really good explanation that I heard um, a few weeks ago on Backchat was, and, and it was um, Professor Jean Wu, who's Emeritus Professor of Medicine uh, from the Chinese University. She's also from the Institute of Aging. She explained it really well. She said it's because Hong Kong has sort of got... It, it, We're in the situation where COVID just isn't really that bad, you know. The the, uh, not a lot of people are dying. Um, The the elderly sort of think, well, if I don't go out and avoid the crowd, it's not really going to affect me. Um, I'm I'm not going to really catch it if I don't go out. So there's no Mm. really real incentive for them to 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 get vaccinated because they feel that the cost benefit is um, is greater. They're more likely. To suffer from the side effects of the vaccination itself than from getting COVID. So, um, so it's it's. A, yeah. I mean, it's great that Hong Kong's controlled it so well, but on the other hand, there's no real imminent danger or or incentive to push the elderly because they they just think, well, I'm not going to go out. Um, I'm not going to really catch COVID, so I'm not going to get vaccinated, which is just really. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't is really. It- know how to this uh, unless the government sort of comes out with a better sort of I- I initiative to really push that um for, yeah. for, for the elderly and you know it comes down to um yeah, I think it comes down to, to to the government and I think initially the government really pushed hard for sinovac um and sinovac is a great vaccine you know um and', and it's, it's a great vaccine, but there's a better one you know th- there's there's a better one that will sort of um uh, 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 fight against the the, the uh, or help you with the Delta variant, um, but in Hong Kong again we've got that half and half, um, yeah. and so herd immunity is sort of hard to achieve because yeah. people have taken different uh, vaccines
1: and it is really important that some of those messages that are coming out i think that's you know they're saying that the, the, there's five c's involved here in terms of how you make a decision about this right but certainly you know when i was looking at say astrazeneca and the pfizer biotech jabs suppose you know they reduce hospitalization rates 90 to 96 percent you know and and i think one of the problems here is that um you know as i said the five t's were that you have to have confidence. First of all, a person's trust in the vaccines and the efficiency and, you know, the safety of it and the health services that are offering it, you have to make sure that people are completely confident about it. So being able to compare different, as you said, like, you know, the Sinovac or the AstraZeneca or whatever, to be able to have clear, concise messages about those things and to have the information clearly laid out so people can make their own decisions. Um, And then, you know, it's interesting because you said about the elderly, the other C, one of the other Cs is this whole aspect of complacency, where, you know, because as you say that, you know, in Hong Kong, certainly things here in the UK, things got so bad, and I'm sure in Europe and other places, people have seen it, people have seen it with their eyes, they're seeing it in India, they're seeing it in Indonesia, and Philippines and stuff. And this complacency sets in when a person considers that, well, the disease itself is not really that serious, or a risk to their their health. Because we've controlled it
0: so well, but it actually is super deadly.
1: Yeah. Certainly for the elderly or, or, or people who have got sort of health issues and stuff like that, that they need to not have this sort of kind of laid back attitude. But you don't want to, you don't want to, in, in, in another way, you don't want to scare people completely and say, no, it's going to come and get you or whatever. But I think it's just about how you get those messages out there. Um, and then the other sort of C was this thing about calculation that, you know, individuals of engagement in in the extent of information that is out there, you have to kind of weigh up the costs and benefits for yourself. So as you said that, like, you know, quite a few elderly in Hong Kong were making the decision that, well, actually, you know, if I don't go out or if I don't interact with a lot of people, then I'm I'm not at risk. I should be absolutely fine. But, you know, it could be from something that you've just, some food something cold that you've just eaten or something that you've touched so so we don't know but I think all of these factors come into it and that's where I think you know it's really important that the messages that come out are absolutely clear and concise about this the other thing was like um, things like constraints or convenience because again as I said I heard some young people here saying oh well I can't find the time to go out. I don't know when to go out and do this. So the easier that you make it for people to go and get the vaccine, you know, there are certainly in Hong Kong, I know, you know, this community. It's been really great. Yeah, It's been very
0: good. We can't really fault Um, the the rollout of it. I mean, sorry, that the... the, the, mm, that the implementation i mean it's available yeah. in all these sort of community sports Absolutely. centers and hospitals and private clinics if you choose sinovac um, and it's so also made been it good government yeah
1: yeah it's also been good in terms of even if you wanted to get tested and, ah, and get tests and stuff it's reasonably cheap to do it you totally. can get it done for nothing so in easy the UK, to get tested
0: in hong kong well, yeah what's it like in the uk
1: well in the uk they have an nhs um like uh, a rapid test kit with You can order one a day, which has seven tests in it, and you can actually do a COVID test in your home and do it in 30 minutes, 20 minutes, and you will see whether it's negative or, you know, positive. Um, And then after that, if you see that it's positive, you stay in. But it's free test, which you can do. But where it comes in, where it gets expensive, is if you need to travel or if you come in and you're quarantining and you need to do a, a test on day, two and day eight and then test release which can get you to five so those things kind of add up and they can be very expensive but general tests that you can do at home with a kit that the NHS send you for free it doesn't cost anything so that just gets people at least checking to see if they're okay um, so you know the whole constraints thing is a thing the last one is this whole thing about collective responsibility where you know You have to have the willingness in in yourself to protect others from infection. This is not just about you taking the vaccine, thinking, oh, this is for my benefit. No, this is not just for your benefit. This is for the whole community. What you do is really protecting others exactly. as well. Safe. You may be fit and it's good for you to have it, but you can still be a carrier. You know, you have to be careful.
0: And you just don't know how COVID will, will affect you in the long term. And also, for, even for the younger people. I mean, in Australia, there was a Sydney man who, who died after sudden complications. He was 27. That's really young. And he was fit. There was no underlying sort of diseases for him um he was him and his wife were actually newly married and were 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 at home um his wife also was tested positive for covid and they were both sort of and they had medical people sort of checking on them daily and he was fine and then all of a sudden he had he had difficulty breathing and then he was gone wow. yeah
1: i know it's it's very sort of unpredictable because you know as much as even when they say that oh young people can't get it there have been cases where young people got it and 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 i think the scariest part of it is um, the whole long COVID Mm. you know where people get long COVID and the effects that they have felt and you know this kind of I know somebody um, a friend of my daughter's who is quite young she's only about 26 27 and she got COVID and she got COVID a second time and she has now got long COVID and she just says that she just long COVID is where the effects of some of the things that you face when you had it stay with you for a long time they're just with you constantly oh, no. they don't go so, away like breathlessness so, or... so for instance like fatigue okay. that she just said that you know she can't she fails real she gets tired really easily and this this whole tiredness doesn't go away she's just not herself in terms of not as healthy as she was and this is a young girl but long COVID the effects of it seem to be quite prominent that certain things that they felt when they had COVID are still there they're still feeling these effects of it and some damage that was done is with them for a lot longer Um, and so this long COVID seems to be something that you know I think people need to know more about that you know it's an incentive for you to try and avoid getting it because there is no guarantee that once you get it that you will be over some of the effects of it some some people are still having difficulty and they have difficulties to you know working and they get tired and You know, their aches and pains in their joints, things like that, that they suffered, which is really quite scary, you know, and I think that's something that people need to be aware of, so that they can make the right decisions and, and, and we forget, you know, it is about, generally as human beings, you know, there's this confirmation bias thing, I suppose that we all have, where we've got contradictory sort of tendencies where, we sometimes just look at things in a negative way, a negative bias we have, or we have an optimistic sort of bias where, you know, that can skew people's appraisals of the risks and benefits. And they just think, they might just look at it in a negative way and think, no, I'm not going to even risk it to take it because I don't know the effects. You know, I've heard some horrific stories. Some people have said, oh, online, it says that if you have one of these, um, you know, the vaccines that in about two years time, you're going to feel you're not going to live for very long it's just like horrific you know so but we have to be so careful because now we have social media to contend with you know and so decisions are made through what we hear and what we see and a lot of the stuff that we hear and see is probably not accurate so i think certainly where government is concerned any government whether it be in the uk or hong kong the clarity of messages um and clear messages not contradictory messages which sometimes i've seen in the uk where one minute they're saying this then they change their mind so it's so important and to have an open dialogue i think to allow people to ask those questions and to clarify any things that they're concerned about you can't just say no just have it whether you like it or not type thing you have to people need an open dialogue and to be able to discuss it and clear pictures of how the, the graphs work to show people the effect of it and things like that so I think it's about communication it's about good communication too um, and you know Even when you have, like my husband has certain health issues, and we were worried that maybe the vaccine would affect him, so we didn't have it for a while, but then they said, you know, the benefits outweigh the risks, that it is better that you have this and deal with possible things that may happen, but at least not having COVID is probably a better
0: outcome thing.
1: yeah yeah so so it's kind of it's difficult i've i mean i had i've had both vaccines now but what i feel now is like at least i should have some advantage like even when i'm traveling now i should at least have some advantage to the fact that i've had a vaccine i will it'll protect me but also in terms of having something like if i'm doing 21 days i wish it could be 14 instead of 21 you know or seven
0: in the hotel and then the rest at home absolutely yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because at
1: least then there needs to be you should in, have
0: incentive for people who incentive. have had their vaccine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We shouldn't be treat. you know, somebody who's not been vaccinated and somebody who has been vaccinated should not be treated in the same way. There should be some advantage, some kind of value added to your life if you've had it, you know. So that's my only sort of I feel that's my bed. bed you know, I feel a bit of annoyed about that, that I'd like to see. What difference it makes when you say travel and, and go abroad and stuff. So,
0: yeah. Well, so that's Sadia, it. thank you so much. I'm afraid we're out of time today, but I look forward to more chin wags with you next week. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. Take care then. Bye.